Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. Welcome back for another exciting episode of the Only Three Lads podcast, where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. I'm Uncle Greg. Of course, we have the PhD of music, Brett Fargo, and we have the ambassador, Bueno, with us, as always, here on the podcast. When does it become platinum? Just axonum? Platinum? You know that's... (laughs) What? You know, that, I don't know that there's a line in a song somewhere that says platinum, just axinum. And that oh. popped in my head when he said platinum. You're I'm obviously sorry. more street than we are. You I mean, guess what episode before it becomes platinum? Yeah, that was what I was asking. I can almost guarantee you it's 26. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> this is the 26th episode, but I it think it's more it. like oh. probably the 250th episode. I had 25 up on the board, you knucklehead. No, God, no, no. Dang it's, it. it's 26. Oh. All right. And for you math whizzes out there, that is exactly one half of a year's worth yes. of weekly episodes. Oh my so gosh. basically, I feel bad for anybody that's catching up right now. However, I feel extremely envious of them, too. What yeah, fun they get to have. Exactly. If you want to hear what we sounded like six months ago, go to episode one. And then Laugh you can see how one. we've grown yep. to now six months later. And look what we're doing now. <laughs> I dare yeah. y'all. We're still knuckleheads, but knucklehead Smiths. Come on now. But we have a passion for music. That's all that yeah, matters. We do. We even grown a gorilla. The gorilla, the community that we're building here is also passionate about music and really just want to escape a little bit from our mundane lives where we have mortgages, relationships, and everything else. And we can just come here COVID-19. and just- COVID-19. COVID-19. Yes, that's yeah. really eaten much all part that. of the podcast. Yeah. And we could just talk about the golden age of when- we just had fun and loved music, and we still love music, so it's awesome. And we still love life, too. Absolutely. We still Every have day. fun. Yep. So really, things haven't changed, except nope. COVID. Uh, this week, our list, top five singles, non-album singles from the yes. Only Three Lads oh. era. So these were songs that were put out that were never on an album at first. Maybe they were put on compilations after a few years or on the best of albums, but these were just singles that were put out from some of our favorite bands. Pretty hard week this week because there's a lot of great songs that fall into this category. Well, I love the whole tradition of the non-album single, and it's something that's been woven in and out of pop history. I think of it as being a very British concept and having origins in the 60s, right? Right. There was a whole separation of the album and single as a separate form of art. And you also had money. Picture sleeves. And picture sleeves, which are great. I mean, a lot of the Beatles' best-known songs were not on albums you had the who the kinks pretty things all these bands that were putting out great music that they couldn't even make place for on an album you know in america of course the stance was always well if you have the hit on the album then more gullible americans are going to buy the more expensive album 
Right. You know? That's how we Americans think. Yeah, but you go into the import section and you get that single for like seven ninety nine back in the day, and you're like, you play the you know heck out of it and just love every minute of it, man. I remember yeah. those days. Well, I think in the O three L era, then we started to see that return, right? Because there was a proliferation of DIY indie labels, and a lot of them could not afford necessarily to put out full length albums pressing singles was a heck of a lot cheaper. And I think even today, too, we're starting to see that come back because now you can fully produce a song and have it into the hands or ears or whatever of the public within hours, right? So now you have, maybe they don't call them singles anymore, maybe they're drops or promo tracks or whatever, but you're starting to see these songs that are coming out that don't belong on an album in any way. So that's kind of cool. Well, you know, Brett, you're right. But here's the thing that's changed. You used to go on tour to promote an album. Now you put out an EP, a couple songs to promote a tour. So that's why yeah. now you're seeing so many of these songs. Um, Tim Armstrong of Rancid fame and Operation Ivy, he had uh, Tim at Time Bomb, and he was putting out like one song a day for a year or something like that. Just incredible amount of material. But that's the whole thing. You can do it yourself, but also the business has changed. People aren't buying full albums. Mm -hmm. That's why some people are having such a tough road trying to make a living doing music and they have to do something else. And that's why they have all these products. You know, a lot of them have now booze or whatever they're trying to sell on the side too. But that's because albums don't sell like they used to sell. But that's why we come full circle because it was more like mid 60s where the album came in and then you were selling 10 songs instead of just one. Well, that's why I feel like I have to buy more albums than the average person because I'm doing my part to support the music industry wife <laughs> <laughs> well that's why record store day is such a success yeah yeah brett went and bought what was it uh 40 more new albums 60 about, albums about 60 <laughs> 60 between albums and cds but i got them for 40 bucks it was a heck of a deal and i got some fantastic records was she waiting at the door for you she's like more more is better Whee! she actually doesn't mind in fact she got all over me she's like Oh, so I gave you the business, huh? After I, after I posted <laughs> something about it on Facebook. She goes, you know I don't give you the business. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But it makes for better stories that way. Yeah. Well, even saying giving you the business, boy, that sounds like little rascals. 1935. <laughs> going back to 1935, giving you the business. Like, give you the business, alfalfa. <laughs> <laughs> What's the lineup this week for our top five non-album singles? Who goes first? Who goes second? Who goes third? I have no Greg, idea. Greg, I do believe it is you. Yeah, then I'm bueno good. than me. All right. So let's get this thing going. Uh, my number five on my list of the top non-album singles in the Only Three Lads era is a song that peaked on the U.S. charts at number 19 in January 1993. It's from a band that didn't invent alternative rock, but they brought it to the masses. At number five, Nirvana's Sliver. Mom and Dad went to a show. They dropped me off at Grandpa Joe's. Kick and scream, so please Released by Sub Pop Records as a single in September 1990, then it was put on the compilation album Insecticide two years later after the release of Nevermind. By the way, I have a joke about Nirvana. Do you guys want to hear it? Oh, why of not? course. Heck yeah. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Hey, I didn't hey. see that one coming anywhere. Yeah. You'll be hey. here all week. <laughs> Don't forget to drink minimum. Um, the song <laughs> is raw. It's perfect. Sliver about a seemingly autobiographical story of Kurt Cobain throwing a tantrum as he's left at his grandparents' house so his parents can go to a show. Some feel it's a statement of Cobain's parental abandonment that he talked about that he always felt 
Uh, Chris Novoselic's bass really drives this song. And if the song doesn't make you want to break furniture or glass, then you're probably dead inside. If you haven't heard the song in a while, put it back on. You're going to love it. It's loud. It's punk. It's addictive. Bubblegum pop from Nirvana. I bet when they recorded this song, I want to say it was July of 1990 or so, that they had no clue that they were going to take over the world in the next year. But that's my number five this week, Nirvana Sliver. Probably not. Still my favorite Nirvana song. Nirvana. 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 (laughs) All right, Bueno, you're next. All right. My number five is uh, Dancing in the Streets. David Bowie, Mick Jagger, released in 85. Originally a hit by Martha and the Vandellas in 64, and uh, they actually covered that song and put it on uh, Live Aid. Uh, Bowie and Jagger, I mean, they had some lyrical changes to it, but uh, the version uh, begins with an announcement to the world to hearken the universe nature of the concert. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa, and then Jagger also slips in the reference, yeah, I know, to a track back in the USSR and the song was recorded in just four hours in 2007 Jagger told Rolling Stone we banged it out in just two takes it was an interesting exercise in how you can do something without worrying too much about it and video of course we all know was broadcasted at live aid after queen's historic set at wembley stadium as that ended Bowie started his live performance and then jagger of course went on much later in the philadelphia stage and when the recording wrapped up at abbey studios bowie and jagger headed straight to the london docklands to film the song's official video which has since become somewhat infamous sorry infamous. for its thank you for its cheesy choreographic but it's mm-hmm. amazing to watch i love watching this thing I mean, those, what was it, like five cars in the background with their lights on and everything, or whatever that was back there? Pretty cool. But uh, love the song, and, uh, you know, they were trying to do like a, a satellite link up, when, you know, with Bowie performing in Wembley Stadium in London and Jagger and at John F. K. Stadium in Philly, and they said, no, nah, we can't do that because it'd be a four second delay, and both of them said they were not willing to mime the song. So it was a good thing. At least we got the real thing done there. So, uh, pretty good song here and love all the you know fun in this song i mean it's a pretty cool song and uh, that's my number five top five uh, non-album singles david bowie and mick jagger dancing in the streets and not to tell you something bueno i'm exact opposite of you the video disturbs me because <laughs> the and light. i don't know if you guys have seen there's a video on youtube where they take out the music and it's just them dancing and then they put a parody like they're putting like sounds in there it's the most hilarious thing if you get a chance look that up i will (laughs) i'll leave it at that i love bowie and i love mick and i'm glad they did something together Mm -hmm. (laughs) i wish it had not been a cover of dancing in the street that's all right yeah my number five goes to a band who perfected the art of the pop single in the punk era To wit, their compilation of singles released from 1977 to 1979 is such a rush 
from start to finish that it is one of the rare compilations that stands up as a great cohesive album in big letters rather than just a cobbled together collection of songs. That compilation is Singles Going Steady, The Band is Buzzcocks, and the particular non-album single I've chosen as my number five is What Do I Get? What do I get was the band's second single, not counting their seminal first EP, Spiral Scratch, written by Pete Shelley, and it was a modest hit upon its release in February 1978. The song is very simple, very infectious, and introduced Shelley as we would come to know him through many of his best songs as a forlorn romantic whose love more often than not goes unrequited. I just want to love her like any other. What do I get? And spoiler alert, he only gets sleepless nights. Sorry to ruin it. I only get sleepless nights Along in my heart Then the innocent return I try So I wish that only happened to me Buzzcocks' trademark sound may be fast and loud, but where they differ from their punk rock peers is that the melodies and subject matter are pure, timeless pop. And is there anyone who had a more uncanny way with turning OO into a hook than Peter Shelley? Gosh, I miss Pete. Rest in peace, Pete. And for a two minute, 52 second blast of adrenaline and audio sugar, look no further than my number five. What do I get by the amazing Buzzcocks? Great pick. Great pick. And, you know, when we lost him, and no play on the words here, but hollow inside. Yeah, that was a good play on words, though. I don't see how that could be anything other than an intended play on words. (laughs) (laughs) But it was very good. Very well executed. Uncle Greg. Well, my number four song is another song made by the bass guitar. You know my love for bass. But when it was released in November 1982, the critics described this song as an antic, herky-jerky, new wave pop or bratty, funky synth pop. All I know is that as a preteen, seeing the video on MTV, The Cures, Let's Go to Bed, is one of the foundational logs that helped burn my fire for music number one and sent me on my lonely journey into my alternative music catalog that I would be ridiculed for throughout my teen years and for even still till till today. People are like, why do you like that band? Oh, such a bad thing. Oh, I know. Well, you know, after The Cure's fourth album, The Dark (laughs) Pornography, and a month-long detox, Robert Smith wanted to do something more cheerful. His record label was fearful the fans would hate Let's Go to Bed. They really didn't want to put it out. They hemmed and hawed, but finally they did put it out. And Robert Smith describes it's when the fan base kind of switched to people with some perfect white teeth from the intense, menacing, psychotic The Walk and Love Cats came out as singles during this time. Um, I remember one thing, my mom not liking this song because of its sexual content. And I was a preteen and my mom wasn't too crazy, but I just remember me telling my mom, you know, it, they're saying, let's go to bed. You tell me to go to bed all the time. What's what's the deal? How can, what, 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 you know? <laughs> We're just trying to get some sleep. I acted really stupid and my mom played along <laughs> and then she stopped complaining of whenever I would be playing or MTV and I would turn up, let's go to bed. 
that. But that's my number four song this week of our top five non-album singles. I love this song. Oh, so it's a lullaby, Gregory. Okay, well, that's okay then. That's yeah. a beautiful song. They're talking about love. Exactly. Well, just sleep, you know, cuddles. Yeah, spoon. I'm sorry for making your mom sound like the church lady, by the way. Oh, uh, that pretty much is it. Um, I grew up in a household where, uh, you know, uh, very Catholic. Uh, my mom was one of those moms that when the catalogs came in, or the advertisements, of course, you know, like she would try and take the bra pictures out of there before we got oh, to them. Oh my gosh, wow. Oh, yeah, because yeah, no, she, you can't she see that stuff. You know, but of yeah. course, my mom is so crazy because it only made me want to see them more. Uh-huh. You know? You're hiding them from me. I realize this. What's so special about them? And then I saw Nothing. them and I said, God, what, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> No way. I don't agree with that either. You could have your video of uh, dancing in the street and that boobs don't mean nothing. No, sorry. All I wanted was a Pepsi. uh, I'm not subscribing to that. But what I'm saying is that. Sounds like you guys had two different banks, so to speak. (laughs) Well, that's what's great about this podcast. We're all different, but we all share the same love. And so that's what's so cool. And sometimes uh, we agree. Sometimes we don't. And um, I just have to say that um, boobs, uh, I am in support of. Any shape, any color, any cream. Here, here. Go yeah. tell it, brother. And I don't know how we got onto boobs talking about the cure. Let's go to bed. But yeah. that's my number four song this week. Well, and I just see kind of like a, a little thing going on here. So my number four, I'm just going straight into it. Depeche Mode, it's called The Heart. So we're talking about love. So we're going to The Heart now. So released uh, September 16th, 1985. Their 14th UK single included as one of the two new songs on the singles 81 through 85. That same year, along with Shake the Disease. That reached number 18 in UK and uh, love that song. It just, I mean, it really goes from my heart. There was no limited edition versions of the single in the way that most other Depeche Mode singles have been. And Martin Gore and Alan Wilders have said this song is one of their least favorite tracks. I was like, wow, when I read that. I have a question for you listeners. How many of you went to the Rose Bowl and saw Depeche Mode with the other 60,000 fans? You know, please post your answers. And if you have any pictures, we want to see them. So that's my number four. Yeah. Such a huge show. It was a huge show. So we're just sending some love out. So send it back. Wonderful. I really don't know how much more relevant a song could be in 2020 than my number four non-album single, Ghost Town by The Specials, written by keyboardist Jerry Dammers and released in June of 1981. The Specials were no strangers to great standalone singles, They had Gangsters, Rat Race, The Boiler, among the mini classics that didn't need an album to spotlight them. Ghost Town, however, is arguably the special's crowning glory. The mood is set from the opening of the song with the interplay of an eerie flute line, discordant horn stabs, and ghostly synthesizer, gliding over a dark reggae groove. There's something immediately desolate and unsettling about this track, and that's even before it launches into the hypnotic vocal hook of 
this town is coming like a ghost, ghost town. town. I love it. <laughs> the song is a response to urban decay, rioting, racial unrest, unemployment, and as the song says, all the clubs being shut down. Sound familiar, guys? 2020. Yep. We, 2021. We haven't even felt the pain from this yet. I know. <laughs> yeah, throwing a deadly virus and it becomes the anthem of 2020 nearly 40 years after its release. If all that is not enough, I want to point out a particular part of the song that I find to be absolutely brilliant songwriting magic. So tucked inside of all the spooky dread is a couplet where they remember better times where the song gets temporarily jaunty. Do you remember the good old days before the ghost town we danced and sang and the music played in the boom town? It's absolutely amazing how it does it and then settles back into that kind of creepy vibe. The song sure does hit home in this changed world, and I can't wait to return to those good old days. And fun fact, the classic music video for Ghost Town, you guys probably remember this one, which featured the band riding around the dilapidated city in a 1961 Vauxhall, was directed by Barney Bubbles, and Bubbles directed his share of videos around this time. He did Elvis Costello's Clubland and Squeeze's Tempted, but he's better known for his graphic art on album covers for Jake Riviera's mini labels, Stiff, Radar, and F-Beat, including albums by Elvis, Ian Dury, and The Damned. And that is my number four, Ghost Town, by The Specials, Mon. Another yeah, good pick. My list. Yeah. Gangsters was like number eight. That was the one that I thought might be a sneak triple. I had Ghost Town on my list. Didn't make the cut, but I had it on there. Mine too. I have an ant crawling across my computer. <laughs> All right, well, we've gone through our number fives and our number fours of the top five non-album singles this week. Don't forget, if you have a smart uh, speaker, you can always say, Alexa, you could say, Google, play the Only Three Lads podcast, and then you could hear us right there. We are loud and clear. And stick around, because in just a little bit, we're going to come back with our number three and number two picks this week here on the Only Three Lads podcast, the golden age of alternative music. Yeah, we've been around for a half a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're old. All right. You're the baby, Brett. Come on. I am the baby. You are the baby. I feel good because this is the, you know, the one group where I still consider the baby. At heart? Not at heart. In in heart, I could be like at a daycare and be called the baby. Mm -hmm. So you don't like classic alternative music? Sucks! Huh. Please remember, if we want any out of you, we'll squeeze your head. Only three lads. It is time for your Only Three Lads music news. The 2020 VMA nominees are here. Up for Best Alternative Video, 21 Pilots, All Time Low, The 1975, Machine Gun Kelly, Lana Del Rey, and Phineas. Online voting closes August 23rd. Tom Morello is dropping a memoir. The book called Whatever It Takes follows his career in Rage Against the Machine and Prophets of Rage and also as a political activist. He says the photo memoir of his life is set to come out in October. Green Day's Billy Joe Armstrong is surprised he's lived as long as he has. In an interview with Kerrang, the 48-year-old talked about other rock stars that didn't live that long. He recalled some rock stars' deaths and wondered when the next rock star casualty will be. Armstrong has struggled with drugs and alcohol, but is now sober. I'm just kidding. Don't get your panties in a bunch. And that is your only three lads' music news. What are you talking about? Football. What are you talking about? Shopping. 
We are back. We are six months old. Episode 26 of the Only Three Lads podcast, where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. I am Uncle Greg, the PhD of music. Brett Vargo's here. We also have, did I say something wrong? No, if I'm the PhD, why when you say we're six months old, am I thinking about diaper change? (laughs) I'm thinking that the show well, needs a diaper change. <laughs> we probably do. But, true, true thoughts but, from a music PhD. Yes. <laughs> but you're a dad, so that's why your brain goes there. <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. You remember, especially your little boy, you had to make sure and cover the hose before you got splashed. Or one time, I'll tell you, what you okay, we're going to start talking about poop stories. My son, he's little, right? And I'm changing his diaper, and he starts going as I'm changing him. Of course, you don't want to get hit with that stuff. So I, so I pick him up, and I'm trying to, like, and then he started to go again. Shot across the room, landed in my shoe. Wow. Yeah, and so there's my poop story. That's impressive. uh, Yeah, I guess if you're impressed with that crap, uh, no pun intended. wonder if you shoot baskets like that. Uh, Well, no, my son's not very athletic. I don't know. Maybe we should start getting him to take some shots. Yeah, never know. Couldn't hurt. There's probably some weird fetish sport for that, too. So (laughs) here is the gutter. Here's the only Three Lads podcast. We are in it this week. We're really going to get that rating this week. Yeah, we are. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, this week we're taking a look at our top five non-album singles, and we're up to number three. My number three song was almost titled Understand Me and landed at number one on KROQ's K-Rock's top song of 1985. Bueno, pretty intelligent pick for your number four. My number three, Depeche Mode's Shake the Disease, released as a single at the end of April 1985. Then it ended up on those compilations, albums, the singles, 81 to 85, and catching up with Depeche Mode. It's one of the few non-album singles from the band. I think it's one of their best songs. Uh, It's basically Shake the Disease to me as a strobe light making love song. I'm a little bit of a freak, but um, this song is sexy, erotic, sly, sensuous, and um, but it's just harsh enough. Look, after you make love, you're not just a little bit shameful. You're probably not doing it right. Here is a plea my heart to you. Nobody knows me as well as you do. So the lyrics, they're awesome too. You know, a plea from my heart to you. Nobody knows me as well as you do. And then understand me, understand me. The fear of vulnerability teamed with a staunch independence. Emotionally honest is the song. And how could it not connect? I just love the song. Number three of this week for me, for the best non-album singles, Depeche Mode, Shake the Disease. Awesome. Am I wrong to be disturbed that one of your ideal lovemaking songs is called Shake the Disease? But I think it's like a love song. It's like one of the, just like I said, you got that staunch independence, your fear of vulnerability, that person who knows you. It's not like a one night stand to feel like that. You just can't take it out of context. You have to know the song, really. Right. And and a lot of people think that song's about uh, heroin because of David Gahan's heroin addiction in the uh, early to mid 90s. But that has nothing to do with the song. I think the way I interpret it, it's a love love song and um, that's what I hear when I hear it so how many non-album singles Brett did Depeche Mode have I want to say it's probably only three <clears throat> no no nope. how many four get the balance right 
It's called the heart and Route 66 and then the one just like we But wasn't Route 66 from 101? No. Drat! Dang oh. you, bueno! Oh, sorry. Got to take one point off that PhD right. thing. Fair oh. enough. I'll mail it in. All right. Thank <laughs> you, sir. All right, Bueno, what's your number three? Number three, I keep saying that love needs to keep showing up, right? So, well, my number three, erasure. Who needs love? Like that. September 2nd, 1985, first single by a British pop duo, Erasure. Love this song. Uh, released in UK, uh, Mute Records 85, Who Needs Love, is an up-tempo song written by Vince Clark, and the lyrics are cast off to a destruction love relationship. It seems things aren't the way they are to be. Who needs love like that? Who needs love like that? And the video takes place in a mock western with Clark and Andy Bell and various extras dressed as cowboys. Both, both Bell and Clark appear in dual roles, uh, you know, others being women's drags. And upon release, the song spent two weeks in the UK singles chart, peaked at number 55. 1992, the song was remixed and tacked on the end of the Rachers' greatest hits collection, popped the first 20 hits. The Hamburg mix, also retitled Put Like That in parentheses, was released as a single, became the top 10 UK hit, peaking at number 10. Turn you upside down. I remember that back in the day when Richard played this for the first time and I was lucky enough to listen to it for the first time and that started my love for Erasure and I keep loving them today and I can't wait till that new album comes out and that's my number three top five non-album singles Erasure who needs love like that the gorilla does <laughs> I mentioned when talking about Ghost Town how relevant the song still is and my number three non-album single is abundantly relatable is there anyone among us who has not shared the sentiment of this Smith's 1984 single, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now, particularly when we were in our 20s, if we can remember back that far? Oh, yeah. I was happy in the haze of a drunken hour, but heaven knows I'm miserable now. I was looking for a job, and then I found a job, and heaven knows I'm miserable now. <laughs> in my life, why do I give valuable time to people who don't care if I live or I die? Sorry. No, <laughs> this is good. Oh, good. yeah, that's great. It's a classic Morrissey Mopery set against Mars melodic perfection and jangle, but of course is cut with Morrissey's very underrated sense of humor. The verse, what she asked of me at the end of the day, Caligula would have blushed. You've been in the house too long, she said, and I naturally fled, is one of my absolute favorites in Moz's lyrical canon. It also has the distinction, if you guys couldn't tell by my caterwauling, of being one of my favorite Smith songs to break out at karaoke, presuming that the host is cool enough to have it. The song would of course land a spot on the Hatful of Hollow compilation later in that year, 1984, but works best as a standalone piece of art as intended. The Smiths were one of the two bands that I feel best carried on the tradition of the non-album single and killer B-sides during the O3L era. The other band, you ask? Well, stick around because they may just be up next. What she asked of me at the end of the day, Caligula would have blushed. Oh, you've been in the house too long, she said, and I naturally fled. 
Although the 7-inch of Heaven Knows Recycled Suffer Little Children from the Smiths debut, the 12-inch contains the great B-side Girl Afraid. And because I seem to be enjoying fun facts lately, this song was the first Smiths song to involve Stephen Street as an engineer, and Street would go on to produce the Smiths' final album Strange Ways Here We Come, Morrissey's Viva Hate, the Triffids' Black Swan, most of Blur's classic albums, and other assorted British pop gems. And that's my number three, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now by The Smiths. Great song. I love that. Well, again, just like the iconic songs that fall into this category this week of non-album singles, because Panic was one that I almost picked for from mm-hmm. The Smiths on and the ask. list. Yeah. And ask. So then that's another great song. William, it was really nothing. I mean, The Smiths yeah. just had it nailed. Yeah, they, they were did. so good at the non-album singles. Yeah. This Charming Man. Yeah. Yeah. Landing on my list at number two this week is a single released in June of 1981 and 29 years later after its release, I believe that if this song was released today, 39. it would still be spending on radio stations for well, 39 years. What are you talking about? What year did you say it came out? 81. So you're right. Uh, rewind. 39 years. Math, not my, uh, that's, you know, I, I, I write news. And so uh, math was the old guy. Math. Math, math smash. Um, But 39 (laughs) years after its release, I believe if this song was released today, it would still be spinning on radio stations and on dance floors everywhere. It's The Clash. This is Radio Clash. This is Radio Clash on Pirate Satellite. Orbiting your living room, cashing in the Bill of Rights. Cuban army surplus or refusing of the lights. This is Radio Clash on Pirate Satellite. A song way ahead of its time, timeless song. Now, the best part of this song is really for those of us who refuse to join the majority. This is Radio Clash, Freaks Out the Status Quo. The song is dangerous, thought provoking. The sound is not subscribed to the international plan. In the sickle shadow of the white right hand. Them that see ghetto allergy is an urban Vietnam. Given deadly exhibitions of murder. The voice of the working class, the street, the reality, how you're getting played. If you don't realize everything coming out of your TV or even in Washington, D.C., is just theater. Telling you a fantasy of soulless consumerism to shape your desires, your needs, in an effort to control your thoughts. Now, I know I'm going on a little bit of a rant, but <laughs> I believe every syllable of that. And the clashes, this is Radio Clash, is the type of song that kids need more of because life is once and it's real and it's not that crisp clean version of k-pop or whatever crap they're listening to today but the clash this is radio clash number two this week of the top five non-album singles for uncle greg oh love that love the clash bless you greg bless you nice pick buddy i had that on my list until the bitter end and i just swapped it out this morning so thank you for picking you are welcome it was in my top 10, too. So great song. That's like mm-hmm. London calling. Sometimes I'll just be in my car and then I just get on my phone. Boop, boop, what was the other yeah. one? Bank robber? Uh, Bank robber. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a, another it was great non-album. Yep. Well, and then they had a bunch of early non-album singles that ended up on the uh, the 79 morphed version of the debut. All right, Bueno. Oh, was my number two here? Yes, you're number, number two. two. Okay, number two. Too nice to talk to. The English beat. Released in 1980, the song deals with shyness and or social discomfort. Dave Wakeling of English Beat explains the inspiration. There was a club called Barbarella's in 
Birmingham that was quite famous and they used to have this dastardly trick at 20 past two every morning just because they closed at 2.30. It didn't matter what was happening, whatever record was playing, they would scratch the crap out of the record, turn the lights off, and that was it, screeching sounds. Okay, thank you, good night. And you'd be in the middle of some delightful fantasy dancing with some beautiful girl or whoever you're out there with, and uh... They used to play a lot of Brian Ferry, Roxy music in there, very romantic. All I wanted to do was play punk songs. And so it was a story really about wanting to go and dance with somebody and just spend too long and going over your mind and what you would say and what you ought to say or friends you're going with, go on, go and talk to her, don't be chicken, go get her. And you waited so long that you took a big breath and all of a sudden the lights went out and she was gone. Next time, don't be so damn shy to the point of discomfort and finally make that bold move. And that's my number two top five non-album singles, The English Beat. Too nice to talk to. What a song. What a whopper. I love that song. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys remember, of course, you guys remember the song Mirror in the Bathroom by English mm -hmm. Beat? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. So I'm in the bathroom. I'm a teenager. I'm getting ready. As a teenager, you always have the radio going when you're getting out of the shower, that sort of thing. My father walks into the bathroom and says, turn that off and don't ever play that song in my house again. It's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? But think of what it sounds like. Mirror in the bathroom. Uh -huh. My father thought they were saying N-word in the bathroom oh pissed him off my dad was a union guy we were friends with all kinds of people oh. but that's what my father but then if when my dad said that then i started listening i was like oh my god i could totally see how one would think that yep. but that's I one thing never, about the english beat next yeah. time you hear it that's what you're huh. gonna hear well thanks for ruining the song yeah really but yeah no but i'm saying but you know that's not what they're saying but I just remember that's anytime I hear English beat, I think of that moment with my father's like, dad, they're not saying that. They're saying mirror in the bathroom. You know, the best part about this story, Greg, what? is as you are telling the story about you being a teenager and standing in front of the mirror, this wonderful, wonderful gift that you have bequeathed upon us. Oh no. I am looking at you in full like Burt Reynolds spread oh, yes. I put with that up your there. mullet. Yes. <laughs> this is a thing of beauty. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Let's please get this up on the website. Oh, we yeah, got to go get ahead. that up on the website. Well, before we started the podcast, we we're talking about Bueno said he was going to put things up there on Thursday. He wanted to put something up there. And then that's when I said, well, I'll send you guys this stuff. And there's me at two years old and me at 18 years old. Oh, th this is a yeah. thing of beauty. I haven't the seen it yet. Why haven't I oh. seen it yet? Um, oh. I don't know. I, that's why I sent it to you. Well, which one do you guys want me to put up? I meant it as a joke. But put them both. <laughs> you will have something to look forward to, Bueno. Oh, cool. Oh, no, well, not only me. It's I don't look forward to it. The world. Oh, yeah. The world, man. They want, the they've world. been wanting if, this. If you haven't laughed in a long time, Six get to the only three die. lads, the only three lads Facebook page. I'm sure uh, Brett oh. or some Bueno. Or make sure you're not eating. 
while you're looking at this. <laughs> well, thank you. It's so disgusting. No, it's not that. No, it's it is not. Yes. It is not. No. It uh, is marvelous, I guess. That's what say. I'm saying. I just want to tell you, back in 1988 when that picture was taken, I will tell you, that look was very popular. It oh, no doubt. It did very well for me. No doubt. You look like a... <laughs> it doesn't do well for me now. Bjorn Borg? You look like a tennis player of some uh, yeah, European... I can't wait to see that because, you know, I had the, I had the perm too, so... Oh, this is disgusting. You're just Ooh. you're just gonna love it. All right. All right. Brett, <laughs> let's get back on track. Save us. The other band that I feel best carried the mantle of non-album singles during the O3L era is The Jam. A subset of the classic non-album single is the double A side where both tracks were intended to get equal billing. Of course, the Beatles set the standard for the standalone double A side single with 45s like Day Tripper coupled with We Can Work It Out, Strawberry Fields Forever paired with Penny Lane. The best double A side of the O3L era, in my opinion, is the Jam's 1980 smash Going Underground and the psychedelic Dreams of Children on the other side. And talk about brilliant happenstance. The story goes that Dreams of Children was pegged to be the lone A-side, but a pressing mistake labeled both tracks as A-side. Of course, it was Going Underground that captured radio programmers and a whole nation's attention, becoming the first of three number one singles for the jam. Geez, I guess my theme here is relatability and going underground for it being about the dawn of the Thatcher era again paints a picture of a political climate that still seems pretty accurate today. It's a vitriolic, angry attack on the braying sheep on my TV screen, those who get pleasure out of hate and the leaders whose lies wash you down and their promises rust. But Paul Weller would rather not have any of it. He's going underground. But is that an ironic commentary against apathy? Or would he really rather just tell society to shove off? I suspect that it's probably the former, but Weller sells every line with conviction as he spits the tense lyrics out in his thick working class accent. Some people might say my life is in a rut, but I'm quite happy with the what I got. All right, that's enough singing for me today. All right, no, we need more. <laughs> you can probably have more. But this is a pop single after all, and the overall sound is triumphant with the clarion call of the horns and the uplifting key modulation towards the end of the song. You get some of Weller's best lyrics, best guitar work, and of course, Bruce Foxen and Rick Buckler's explosive rhythmic excellence. The whole thing sounds a lot less grim than the lyrical matter would suggest. And speaking of which, I can't get away without another mention of the fabulous The Dreams of Children, which is bitter as heck with its lines about cracking and choking on your dreams tonight, but pretty much everything I said about going underground applies to its double A side as well. This is the sound of a band at the peak of its considerable powers. Its exclusion from the album that followed its sound effects may be as baffling to some as leaving Paperback Rider off of Revolver or Strawberry Fields off of Sgt. Pepper, but I love it just as the band intended, held up on its own merits rather than judged by the songs surrounding it. So let the boys all scream and let the boys all shout. We have a double A side for number two, going underground with a special mention of the dreams of children by the jam. Love the jam, man. Love the jam. 
They ended way too early. They did, but then again, they ended just at the right time. Yeah. They had more in them. They could have, but I love the Style Council, I have to say. But mm-hmm. I look at some of the mid to late 80s Style Council recordings and I think, yeah, I'm glad that, that wasn't the jam. Because the jam, in my mind, they were perfect for that point in time, right? Yep. So. And then time to move on. Okay. And then time to move on. Yep. When I first heard them, I was like, just like, who is that? And my buddy's like, the jam. Wow. They do yeah. that. They were yeah. they're fast, perfect, precise, and they hit every beat. Not bad for a bunch of mods. Uh-huh. We want to thank everyone for taking this ride with us for the last six months here on the Only Three Lads podcast, where each week we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. And of course, this ride from this week, from our top five non-album singles is not done yet. We're coming back with our number ones right after this. Welcome to new listeners coming over from the best place on the internet to discuss music, the Steve Hoffman Music Forums. I'm Brett, otherwise known as username Popscene on the Hoffman board. Forum user Hutlock gave us his top five one-word bands from episode number 25. Number one, Felt. Number two, Blur. Number three, Bauhaus. Number four, Pixies. And number five, Ramones. We appreciate you listening and hope to engage in more discussion over at stevehoffman.tv. Now back to the show. Ah, ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Thank you for sticking with us. We are back on the Only Three Lads podcast this week, taking a look at our top five non-album singles. And so far, our list has a lot of incredible music. Once again, it's pretty shocking how much great music from the early 80s is on our list. Yeah, pretty crazy. We've been very slanted to those 80s. Yeah, it definitely has a really, because really nothing 70s yet, and I can't think of anything 90s. Uh, I think my Buzzcock song from the 70s, is that it? Okay, that's it. And then you had Nirvana from the 90s, yeah. Okay, well, see, I'm completely wrong once again. But I'm used to it. From the 80s. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, we're at our number ones, and uh, I'll just tell you, my number one non-album song is not a shock to Bueno Brett or even the Only Three Lads community. As soon as the O3L randomizer picked our topic this week, it just slipped right off of my tongue. Joy Division, Love Will Tear Us Apart. Yeah, yep, yeah. the song about Ian Curtis's marriage problems and his frame of mind before his suicide in May of 1980. The song was released a month later. It's been 40 years since Love Will Tear Us Apart was released and it still has that impact, a connection, creates a feeling that we are not alone and we are not the first to deal with heartbreak, sadness, and emotional pain from going apart from someone that we love. realization that you won't get to where you're going if you stay spinning your wheels hoping for change you've hit the wall and now you're done sucking it up it's really the realization that once that thing that energized every cell in your body is now a cancer and that's what this song is to me joy divisions love will tear us apart again it's probably the most truthful and painful song that i hope you never truly understand and that's why it's my number one non-album single this week, Joy Division, Love Will Tear Us Apart. Again. Thank you, Uncle Greg. Yes, thank you. I bet you guys didn't Perfect. see that coming. <laughs> no, like a freight train. Uh-uh. Like Roadrunner. New Order, of course, brought me to 
Joy Division because I, you know, I was when I was a teen, and I remember when all the that stuff started coming out from New Order. Then it was like, oh, there was this other band. But boy, Joy Division, it's like, again, you were talking about the jam and the moment in time. That's what Joy Division was. Mm-hmm. Too. Mm-hmm. So, what a great band. Absolutely. Bueno. bueno. My number one is also another band kind of stitched in time, and it's called uh, Electronic Disappointed. Released June 22nd, 1992. That was a fourth single by uh, English band Electronic like their first single, Getting Away With It, uh, Neil Tennant, the Pet Shop Boys, as well as founding members, Johnny Marr and Bernard Sumner, was released June 1992, Parlophone, after demise of Factory Records, and uh, that single was released under category uh, FAC 348, logo of the label, remains on the artwork. Upon the release, it reached the top 20 in Germany, Greece, Ireland, Sweden, and the UK, and peaked within the top 10 of the three US Billboard charts. 1992, the song was featured on the soundtrack of the live action animation hybrid mystery movie, Cool World. It's a really fun movie. You guys ever have seen that? It's pretty fun. Yeah, uh, Bowie did the title track, right? Yep, pretty sure he did. Yep. And that song was based on a piano riff by Mars' brother, uh, Ian, and worked up into a full backing track by Johnny Marr and Bernard Sumner. They decided to ask Neil Tennant to come in and complete that song, and he wrote the lyrics and the vocal melody. Tennant traveled to Manchester to record the lead vocal, and a few weeks later went to Paris to attend the final mixing song by Steve Hogg. Disappointed was conceived just before the recording of uh, New Order's sixth studio album, Republic, and that was performed live in December of 1991. Oh man, I would have loved to have been there on Electronics. It's one place I've never been. European tour in Glasgow, sung by Bernard Sumner, and in London, actually Neil Tennant sung it and also guest on three songs. Disappointed was the last electronic single to be released in all major formats. song guys uh, it was also an a-sided single by itself and the remix also had steve uh, working the original mix for the single release although electronic would enjoy three more top 20 singles in the uk disappointed was the last major commercial success and it became a dance chart hit in the uk and uh, reaching the top 20 in germany as well until the release uh, of the best of electronic in 2006 that track was never available on any of the records and uh, they are just an incredible band i wish they would get back together and that is my number one top five non-album singles electronic disappointed great song great incredible song. yeah i haven't heard that one in a long time oh you should listen yeah. to it I, I listen to that all the time yeah it's in my mix pretty much yeah. every week for sure i love that very band. nice yes. very nice well you can't go wrong you you bring sumner and mar together and then you throw in neil Tennant occasionally yeah what could go wrong Nothing with those three. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the time has come. The walrus said, you know how it hurts me to disappoint you, lads, Uncle Greg and Bueno, but Uh-oh. I'm going to do it anyway. This episode gives me an opportunity to do something that I've wanted to do for the past six months. 
Oh, watch that. Why did my butt just pucker? Oh, my number one non-album single is... Yoko Ono. Walking on Thin Ice by Yoko Ono. Oh, my God. Walking on Thin Ice. We're going to break it down and get a little serious here. The song was finished on December 8th, 1980 and released less than a month later. So why is that date so significant? Of course, December 8th sadly jumps out to most of us as the date of John Lennon's cruel and senseless murder. Walking on Thin Ice was the last song that John worked on during his life, mere hours before his death, contributing searing lead guitar that was recorded on the same Rickenbacker 325 guitar that he used up to about 1965 and hadn't used it since. What makes the song even more bittersweet is how absolutely excited John was by this track. By all counts, listening to it repeatedly and marveling at its sleek, brittle, danceable new wave that sounded like the future of music. He was even carrying a cassette of the track when he was killed. There's an eerily prophetic snippet of studio dialogue that was added before the song on Yoko's 1992 box set, Ono Box, where John says, I think you just cut your first number one, Yoko. And it did turn out to be her first number one, many years later, finally reaching the top spot on Billboard's Top Dance Club chart in 2003, kickstarting an impressive, those of you who do not know this, 12 number one dance smashes for Yoko in the 21st century, and again hit number one in 2013. The song, of course, took on an additional poignancy and sense of foreshadowing when it was released in January 1981. Its lyrics that were originally metaphorical now becoming sad reality for Yoko. fragile cautionary tale as Yoko coolly tells us during a brief spoken word bit that walking across the thin ice is a terrible thing to do you know before ripping into her cathartic and yes polarizing Greg screams it's a stunning song that's as chilling as the title suggests it's also been covered by Elvis Costello and Fuzzbox and has inspired many many musicians down the line And let's talk about the B-side called It Happened, which is a remix of a song from 1973 that is considerably more mellow, but equally foreboding. The lyrics go, it happened at a time of my life when I least expected, and I know there's no return, no way. And that was seven years before John's death. To this day, the single both A and B-sides carry that weight of tragedy, but Walking on Thin Ice still sounds groundbreaking, fresh, and like it could even return to number one in 2023. So how appropriate that it is my number one this week, Walking on Thin Ice by Yoko Ono. Sorry, guys, the mic is dropped. No apology needed. I will give it a listen. I will have an open mind and open ears. Oh, we'll go from there. It's so dang good. It is great. But I love Yoko, so that yeah. could have something to do with it. A lot of artists have followed in her footsteps. Yes. I mean... 
I don't even want to go through the list. It's that many. Susie, B-52s, Danielle Dax, uh, Diamanda Scalas. I mean, you guys, yes. Yoko has her fans. I love her. All right, let's go through our list. Let's run them down the top five non-album singles. For me, number five, Nirvana, Sliver. At number four, The Cure, Let's Go to Bed. At number three, Depeche Mode, Shake the Disease. At number two this week for me, The Clash. This is Radio Clash. And number one for me this week, Joy Division, Love Will Tear Us Apart. Uh, my top five non-album singles, David Bowie, Dancing in the Street with Mick Jagger. Number four, Depeche Mode, It's Called a Heart. Number three, Erasure, Who Needs Love Like That. Number two, The English Beat, Too Nice to Talk To. And my number one, Electronic Disappointed. And my top five, number five, Buzzcocks, What Do I Get? Number four, The Specials, Ghost Town. Number three, The Smiths, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now. Number two, The Jam Going Underground. And number one, Yoko Ono, Walking on Thin Ice. No crossovers. None, I'm surprised. Not a single crossover. Any honorable mentions for you guys? Dan Ridgway, Don't Box Me In. Squeeze, uh, Annie, Get Your Gun. And Lightning Seeds, What You Say. What you got, Brett? Uh, What do I have? So the ones that probably came closest, let's see. The Chills, Pink Frost, The Cure, Charlotte, Sometimes. Uh, The Pastels, Something Going On. Blur, Pop Scene. Go Between's Lee Remick. I have too many. Okay. Yeah, and I also want to put in for the Durannies uh, View to a Kill. View to a Kill, yeah. I almost had Pet Shop Boys, always on my mind. Sisters of Mercy, uh, Temple of Love. Don't know that one. That's a great song. Awesome. Also, I, I said The Sweet. They were on my list. Ballroom Blitz. Cool. Suede. Stay Together. Remember that? Stay Together, yeah. yeah. So that was, that was on my big list. Yeah. So those were my honorable names. Oh, Gin Blossoms, Till I Hear It From You. Till I Hear It oh. From Yeah. It was from a soundtrack? Yes, it was. Maybe. Was it Empire Records? Yeah. That movie? Oh, oh you guys. Incredible. Yeah. Ooh. Look at us. Yep. No notes. Just throw it out there and it gets answered. That's just crazy, That's just guys. pure knowledge right That's there. That's just pure virginity right there. That's just um, nuts. That's crazy. <laughs> so we dialing up that randomizer? Yeah, let's get the randomizer going. Where are we located this time? Are we? Did we move out of the Netherlands? Or? I think we're somewhere in... Uh, Arkansas. Arkansas. You guys can't say no Yoko Ono this time. (laughs) I've already broken that particular mold. Okay. Okay. Well, the next episode is going to be the top five albums of 1998. 98? Okay. 98. Getting close to the end of the 03 L era. We are. In fact, I think, haven't we already done 97 and 99? I think we have, yeah. And don't forget, get to our Facebook page this week. Make sure and like us, hit notifications, because we have uh, apparently pictures of me coming up. Yeah. Um, we also have pictures of Bueno. We'll find something from Brett, uh, but make sure and get there. And give us your list, which you think are the top five non-album singles this week. And also, if you want to get a jump, we have the top five albums of 1998 coming up for episode 27. Do you guys have anything else to say? Honestly, when I came up with this idea with you guys, I was happy if we did like 10 episodes and we're at 26. Just blows my mind, you guys. You guys just keep surprising me and the love we're getting. And hopefully one day we'll be able to cash those $3 checks and a lot bigger. (laughs) Thank you, Bueno, for making this all come together. So thanks for bugging me to keep it going and get it going for us. Bueno is the genesis. We're all the genesis. We're a team. Bueno is like the Steve Hackett of the group. (laughs) 
Well, all I can say is just keep sending love out there, and I love you all, and also be bueno. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.